Praise the Lord. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. We'll hit the ground running. Not a lot of introduction tonight because we were in a series here. And if you've been here, I think we need to hit the ground running so we can maximize our time. Amen? All right, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. Now, we're going to do something a little different tonight. We're going to read that out of the Amplified Version. So you may have whatever translation you have right now, but we're going to use the Amplified. I'm going to try to use that a little bit more often. I really like the Amplified because it amplifies, and I kind of like amplifiers. So it amplifies, it brings out some of the Greek, and, the, and if you're in the Old Testament, some of the Hebrew, and it really just it broadens things out and gives us a little clearer understanding. So I would encourage you, whatever translation you read on a normal basis, whether it's the Old King, you know, King James, New King James, NIV, NLT, ESV, the list goes on and on, I would encourage you to go ahead and pick up an Amplified Bible as a, as a, as a partner and, and just a way to help and supplement your reading because it'll really help bring things out. So we're going to use that some as we're doing our, our Wednesday night study. So, all right, so let's all stand together as we read since everybody just sat down. Stand up, and I'm going to read it off the screen because I have better eyes if I'm looking at the screen. See, Pastor Reed, I can see better far away. If we could just get it together, you know what I mean? So I can see far off. Great. So anyway, uh, I'm going to read this together. It says this, Therefore, brethren, since we have full freedom and confidence to enter into the Holy of Holies by the power and virtue in the blood of Jesus, by this fresh, new, and living way. Someone say new way. way. Someone say living way. See, this is how we're coming in, in a new way, in a fresh way. It says this, which he initiated, he got initiated and dedicated and opened for us through the separating curtain veil of the Holy of Holies, that is, through his flesh. This is talking about the death of Jesus Christ and what Jesus' death on the cross has afforded to us or has how it benefits us, all right? And since we have such a great and wonderful and noble priest who rules over the house of God. That priest would be Jesus. This is a good place for a Sunday school answer. Jesus. What's the answer to everything in Sunday school? Jesus. All right. If you say Jesus, you can't go wrong, right? All right. So we can say, who tempted Jesus in the desert? Don't say Jesus. It'd be the devil. All right. Here we go. Let us all come forward and draw near with true, honest, and sincere hearts and unqualified assurance and absolute conviction. Someone say absolute conviction. Man, absolute means you just drawn a line in the sand. You just, you, you drove your stake down. It's like putting your flag. I mean, when they put the flag up on Iwo Jima, man, that's putting your flag on your hill and saying, I'm going to die on this hill. That's what absolute conviction means. Amen? Amen. Are you with me? Yes. All right, just need you to talk back to me a little bit. All right, here we go. Absolute conviction engendered by what? Faith. By what? Faith. By what? Faith. By what? Faith. All right, good. You're doing great. By that leaning of the entire human personality on God in, look at this, absolute, there's that word again, absolute trust and confidence in His power, His wisdom, and His what? Goodness. That's what we talked about last week as a part of your confession, that God is good. His mercies endure forever. And we say it around here like, God is good and all the time. Amen. That's that's one of my primary confessions. So his power, his wisdom and his goodness, having our hearts sprinkled and purified from a guilty, evil conscience and our bodies cleansed with pure water. That is so loaded, but we don't have time to unpack it. So let us seize and hold fast 
and retain. Look at this. Without wavering. Think about just, just stalks of corn in a, in a windy field in Ohio just blowing back and forth. Without wavering. Look at that. The hope. This is what we're holding fast. The hope. Someone say expectation. What does the word hope mean in the Bible? Expectation. What does the word hope mean in the Bible? Turn to your neighbor and say, the word hope means expectation. Now say to yourself, it does not mean wishful thinking. It's interesting how in America we'll, we'll say hope. Well, I hope I get this. And Gosh, I just really wish God would do this for me. It's like, whoa, whoa, wait. We have confidence here. Do we not? That there is a hope. There's an expectation. That's what the word literally means. So throw wish, throw wish out of your vocabulary and out of your mind. Amen? Because where the mind goes, the man follows. All right. So we want to change our mind about that and throw out wish and get in expectation. So anytime you see the word hope in the Bible, put in expect or expectation, whatever the right, correct tense is. All right. you, did you get that? Yes. All right. A little parenthetical teaching there. Right. Go with me. Wait without wavering. The hope we cherish and what? Confess. And what? The expectation that we confess, not wishful thinking, but the expectation that we speak, we confess. Do you know that when you speak, you're confessing, you're declaring? We'll look at what that means in just a minute. And our acknowledgement of it, for he who promised is what? Reliable. He's faithful. He's sure and faithful to what? His word. And so if God said it, it's going to happen. It will come to pass. And the Bible says this. He even watches over his word to perform it. So he makes sure that when it's out there, it's going to come to pass. Now, do you think if God's out there, God's word is out there, and it's going to come to pass, why would it be any different if we had God's word on our tongue getting it out there? Would it not stand a reason that his word would come to pass? Are you with me? You tracking? Okay, stay on the logic train, all right? And let us consider and give attentive continuous care to watching over one another. Notice it doesn't say judging one another. Criticizing, watching over, studying, studying how we may stir up, stimulate, and incite. I love that. You think in terms of inciting a riot? Here's what we need to do incite. Love and helpful deeds and noble activities. So we got to stir something up. I need to incite you to be good. I need to incite you to do something noble. Amen. I need to incite you to pick up the trash off the bathroom floor. Amen. I need to incite you. This is one of those silly pet peeves. But we have we have some little little munchkins around here. We just love our children, do we not? Now, unless this is one of you. But occasionally when I come in on Thursday morning and I'm going into the men's restroom, I go to the door and it's locked. And I'm like, what? Somebody in the night has broken into our church, crawled, locked the door and crawled out. So if that's any of y'all, please stop. All right. There's another side note. All right, here we go. Not forsaking, not neglecting. Look at this. To assemble together, not forsaking or neglecting. Well, but pastor, everybody, it's okay. We got enough people. Somebody will do it. No, no, no. No one can do what you do. Even if you're brand new here, no one can do what you do. God brought you here for a reason. I can't do what you do. You can't do what I do, but I can't do what you do. Which means I need you and you need me, right? Almost went to Barney there for a second. All right. 
It's, uh, sorry, I have a 10-year-old child, it just, my mind tracks in a weird place. I mean, I'm, I'm all excited about Bob the Builder. Can we do it? Yes, I love Bob. All right, not forsaking or neglecting to assemble together as believers, as is the what? As is the what? Someone say, that's a bad habit. Of some people, but admonishing, warning, warning? We should warn people to, to show up? Yeah. Urging and encouraging one another and all the more faithfully as you see the day approaching. Can we pray together? Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word because your words, your words are life to our flesh and health to our bones. And God, we thank you for your word. And tonight, Lord, we put the word first. We thank you that in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. Not this written word, but the whole logos, Jesus himself, the living word. So, Father, we want to thank you that you give us your word in the form of Jesus, the whole logos. But you also give us, Father, a living word, a rhema word, a God breathed word. And so, Lord, tonight, as we study the written word, I also ask you to breathe to us your word, the breath of God. Lord, breathe into this. I thank you for the anointing tonight because your anointing produces it breaks the yoke. It lifts the burden in the name of Jesus. Everybody said, amen. High five somebody on the way down, okay? Amen. Just a side note, if any of you want the notes to these studies, Harriet, I got your email address, and we'll be sending you lots of notes, so get ready. So if if anybody would like the notes, all you have to do is let Alicia know. You can go on our website at thegracepoint.com and shoot us an email saying, send me the notes. We'll send you Sunday morning notes. We'll send you Wednesday night notes. They're quite comprehensive because I have to get them to Randall so he can get it all up on the screen. You'll have all the scriptures. You'll have all the bullet points and uh, and occasionally some of my weird thoughts. So you never know what you're going to get. But but anyway, so if you want those, just uh, email Alicia and we will make sure that we get those to you. Can I get an amen? amen. All righty. All right. Our takeaway, and, and this is what we're staying on. I'm going to go real quick through the intro again. Change your words, change your life. Change your words, change your life. With your words, you can shape the very atmosphere in which you live and breathe. Every day, I spend intentional time speaking and declaring the Word of God on my life. The whole idea here is power confessions. It's 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 getting things that are on your in your life, on your tongue, in the Word of God, on your tongue, so that as you declare them, they actually change the atmosphere. We all know that works in the negative, correct? Yes. Somebody comes into a room and they just start spewing a bunch of negative stuff. Can you not feel the atmosphere change? Yes. Amen. And so... So we also know that, that words carry life. They have the ability to, to build up or they have the ability to destroy. They have the ability to create or they have the ability to deconstruct, so to speak. And so what we want to do is learn how to speak words. And let me just say something about the words we speak. I want everybody to look at me for a moment. It doesn't depend on your situation. The words we speak out are not words that that indicate our current moment. If we did that, it'd just be pure weirdness all the time. Hey, I'm in a bad mood today. Hey, I feel freaky today. Hey, I'm a little, little, hey, got a little, uh, 
inner ear thing going on. I'm a little off. I mean, if we just said everything that came to us, gosh, why is that dude wearing that? Oh, my gosh, what's he thinking? I mean, yeah, I mean, if you just did that, I mean, what kind of car is that? I mean, that old beater. I mean, you just, your mind would just, just, if we gave voice to everything that came into our mind, oh, we'd be authentic, would we not? No, we'd be really stupid. Because we understand the power of words and the value of words. Now, in our culture in America, we've lost a little bit of that because words have become cheap. Everybody's got a blog. Everybody's on Facebook. What are you thinking? What are you thinking? What are you thinking? What do you think about that? Boy, man, I mean, after anything, the blogosphere goes berserk. And I love that stuff. I love communication. I love talking on, I love chatting and harassing you guys on Facebook. It's fun. It's entertaining. But we do need to guard our words, do we not? The Bible says this. That we will all be held accountable for every idle word spoken. Do you think we'll not be held accountable for every idle word written as well? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know. I felt that too. Words are powerful. Now, let me give you. We have got to get to a place where we declare. Are you all laughing at me? Okay, good. I got to chastise my wife for a moment. Hang on. Okay, all right. Listen to this. The, The definition of declaration. Someone say declare. The, the word declare, it's, it's a word that means to literally, and I love this, it means to make quite clear. So when we make a declaration, it's literally, uh, the, the mental image for me is like, you know, you're, you're up on a hill and you're, you're setting your feet and now I'm about to say something. I'm about to release something. How do you release your faith? Through your words. Am I not, is that not correct? So what we want to do is position ourselves to make a decree, to declare something, to make something quite clear. Look what it says, a statement of one's principles. When I declare something to you, I'm letting you know this is where I'm at, and I'm making a declaration. I'm making it quite clear. The formal announcement of a state or a condition. We're letting heaven know. We're letting those around us know, including ourselves, and we're letting hell know. We're putting everybody on alert. I'm about to say something. Jesus would say, truly, truly, I say to you. He's like, listen to me. This is serious. Truly, I say to you, for assuredly, I say to you, and when you want to get somebody's attention, you say what? Now, listen to me. Listen. I might say to all of you, look at me for a second. Stop tweeting. Listen to me. So, so what I'll, because I'll, well, I'm about to say something that I think it's important. So, I, uh, uh, Charles Stanley, listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. You know, Billy Graham. Everybody, everybody will stop and say, this is important. Not that everything isn't, but sometimes you've got to declare something. And when I declare something, now if I'm going through customs, when I'm doing some international travel, I will come back and I will formally declare something. They even use the term declare. And that means I have to produce it, they have to examine it, and it's very formal and it's very serious. So I'm declaring, but when I declare something that I'm about to say, I'm talking about my state or my condition. And I'm going to make it quite clear. So it's really important you understand the power of the declaration. It means the release of one's faith by words spoken audibly. All right. Now, I'll give you some real quick points. I already gave you these. If, if you tried to write these down, I, someone has said, more than one has said, hey, we're going so fast through this, I don't have time to write all this stuff down. Listen, if you really want this material, please just email us. We will get you the notes. I'll give you my copy tonight. I've got one copy and... Randall's got a copy back there. We'll give it to you. We'll get it to you the best we can. But I'm going to go quickly through these because we've covered these over the last two weeks. All right? Are you ready? We're off to the races here. All right, number one, it is out of the mouth that we reveal what is in the heart, Luke 6, 43. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. 
All right? It's a barometer of the heart. The earth itself was created with words. Wasn't created with thoughts. Might have started with a thought, but it was released. The power was released with what? Right. Okay. Number three. Jesus used words to fight the devil during his temptation. Okay. He said, it is written. It is written. It's been said. He used the word of God and literally told the enemy in no uncertain terms. This is who I am. He made it quite clear. Okay. And then number four. Faith is released through words. Mark eleven twenty two. If you say to the mountain, say to the mountain, you will have whatever you say. Okay. That's that. Then in, in number five is this. Jesus defied and counteracted the established laws of nature and physics with what? Matthew 8, 26, Jesus rebukes the storm. How does he do it? Does he, does he get up and go do some kind of mumbo-jumbo, a little magic trick? No, he just goes, peace be still. He spoke. He spoke. He said. Someone say, I will have whatever I say. Y'all do know that works in the negative, too. Gosh, you know, every time I go up to Camp Buttman, I just get, I just break out in, in hives, and I just get, I don't, actually, I'm just saying, I, I, I've heard this. I, and I just, I, my allergies just go berserk every time. And I'm going, but you're not up there. Oh, but they will. Oh, yeah, you will have whatever you say, trust me. Well, you mean, Pastor, we need to be careful what we say? What's the answer to that, you think? Yes. Now, I've had a couple people come to me while we, since we've kind of been talking about this for a while on Sundays and Wednesdays because I, we're just in a season where God just continues to tell me how important it is that we get a hold of our tongue and we begin to master this crazy thing. And people have said to me, I'm beginning to hear negative things all around me. And you know what my, my, my thought is on that? It's been there all along. It's just now you're separating yourself because you're beginning to change the filter through which you hear those things. Anyone else noticed people talking bad? And Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Trust me. Trust me. And the more we do this, the more we focus on this, you'll hear it all the time. You'll go, oh, my God, I can't believe they said that. And, and that's good. That means that you're beginning to shift. Jesus rebuked the storm with his words. Jesus, in Matthew 17, rebukes a demon. How does he do that? Does, does he, like, throw a powerball at him? No. What he does is he goes, come out of him. He speaks. Okay, someone say, Jesus spoke, and it was. Someone say, Jesus said, and it happened. And then the last one, Luke 4.39, Jesus rebukes sickness. Literally says, be healed, be healed. Guess what happened? He was healed, all right? It's an amazing thing that Jesus uses words to release the power of heaven. The power of heaven. And just as words work to release faith, our words can work against us to counter our faith and absolutely destroy what's gone before. You mean, Pastor, I should never, ever speak another negative word. And I would say, do the best you possibly can. Mama said it brilliantly. If you don't have nothing good to say, don't say it. She's usually written reference to me talking to my brother. Amen? All right, number six, Jesus issued a stern warning concerning our words because he understood the power that words carry for good and bad. That's in Matthew 12, 35, where he did say, men will be held account, accountable for every idle word spoken. Gosh, that gives me the shivers to think about that. I've thrown a few idle words out there. Can I take them back? 
How many of you have ever said something and you wished in the moment it was released you could stop it? Amen. Me too. No, I don't have an answer for you. I'm just saying, yeah, me too. Been there. All right, power confessions for living in, in victory every day. Now, I'm going to share one of mine, but I want to share some of Pastor Rich's. Because I, I went in and talked to Pastor Rich about this. I said, listen, champ, I know you do this because I used to live in the same neighborhood and I saw him. And, uh, man, he's walking, but he's talking, okay? He's walking and talking at the same time. He's exercising his, his body, but he's also exercising his spirit through his mouth. So I want to share some of Pastor Rich's, and I'm going to, and I'm going to have him share just a little bit practically. How many of you want to know practically how this works? Because we're, we're getting the what. It's just now we need to get the how, okay? So here, here's some Pastor Rich's. He's got eight of them. And we'll throw them up on the screen. Again, we can get these notes to you. I've got these notes actually attached to those notes. And he's, here's the first one. He says, I know that I know that nothing I do will be impossible. <laughs> a little typo there, Pastor Rich. I know that nothing I do will be impossible with God. I don't know about you, but that makes that fires me up to saying it. Say that with me. I know that nothing I do will be impossible with God. Here's the second one. I can do all things because I am empowered by Christ. Here's number three. I know all things work together for my good because I am loved and called according to his purpose. Number four, he has made me more than a what? You know, it's awesome that the Bible says that we can conquer, but the Bible doesn't say we can conquer. It says that we're more than. Someone say more than. You know, God's not just about just. He's about more than. He's not the God of just enough. He's got a more enough. So not only, do we con- not only did David kill the giant, he cut his head off. Right? That's more than a conqueror. Because some of us need to cut the head off some stuff. Amen? We think we kill it, and then we throw a little resurrection party. And it comes back, and then we've got to kill it again. So cut the head off. All right, number five. I know that I will always have favor and success in the sight of God and people. Now, I'm telling you, you begin to get this on your tongue and say it will, it will, it will lift, your, it'll lift your head. It, it'll, it'll help you walk taller. Amen? Number six, I know as I honor God, my family will never suffer lack. You get that on your tongue every day? Come on, that's strong. Number seven, I know. Oh, I love that song. I know. See, that's a declaration. I'm making this quite clear. I know that no weapon formed against me will prosper. I think we ought to say that one together. Say, I know that no weapon formed against me will prosper. I don't know about you. When I make that quite clear, it feels good. Number eight, I know that I am equipped for every good work. Now, Pastor Rich, get that microphone right there, please, sir. It's right beside you. And and give us just a quick how you do this in real life. Because these are all awesome confessions, but we need to know how, when, where do you do it? I mean, how does it it work for you? Well, Pastor Jimmy covered a lot of it. When I get up in the mornings, uh, first thing I do, I get up and uh, put my walking stuff on. Pastor Ned will tell you, I got my orange suits, so I don't get run over by some <laughs> prayers of protection. I don't get run over by some uh, soccer moms going to work. <laughs> but uh, I go out and I actually start thanking God for just uh, another day uh, for getting up. That's the first thing I do. Mm-hmm. And then I just start getting running off some of those things. I know I can do all things because I don't know about you. When you get up in the morning, your mind seems to run away on what you got to do for the day. And then he starts to get jumbled. So when I start to confess these things and these words, what happens to me, my mind comes in order and God gives me a clearer picture of what I need to do for that day. 
And I get to walk about three or four blocks with this, and I get maybe cover about three of these. Uh, one that I love to do because I said I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's one of my favorite ones. Um, I love the other one is the one I pray, every, the one I do say every single day, um, even if I'm not walking, is um, I know, <clears throat> sorry, here it is. I know that I will always have favor and success of, inside of God and people. Mm-hmm. The reason why I pray that and I confess that, I also confess that over my wife mm-hmm. and over my son. I've done this over the last five years, and every promotion my wife seems to get promoted. My son seems to do well, and I'm confessing that over my family. That's one of my, I call that my foundational confessions because I want them to have success in in life, in everything they do, and I want them to have favor. Now, I also do this when I'm not walking. I I go out, and I'm a a chaplain of the uh, Rough Riders I do a lot of negotiation with people out in the, in the community, and I, I can become nervous walking into a front someone's office. And I'm not sure how they're going to receive me. Mm-hmm. So before I get good. there, I'm That's saying good. this. I know that I will always have favor and success inside of God and people. I've even done that when I want to go buy a car. It's good. And I'm thinking that, and I'm expecting Success and favor. I'm expecting a discount. I'm expecting great results. Okay? I had the incident. All these that you see, had a, all my confessions have a story behind them. That's why I only have eight of them. It had something to do with my life. The one that, um, one of the ones I had that, um, number seven, which I know, I, I, I know that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Well, during a desert storm war, we were worried about when we deployed of um, getting AAA or anything coming and landing in, in, our, in our tent area. So we would pray this all the time. Also, we would confess Psalms 91 yeah. that his angels will take charge over me. Calamity will happen, but it will never touch you. Those things we confess. So that has a, a big thing in, in my life. Number eight, the one I had, I know I'm, I'm equipped for every good work. Happened last year when one of the football players got, killed, got shot downtown if you read about it and i showed up at the office and they said we need you to give a briefing to the team on how to deal with grief so you know the man of god i am i'm like i'm ready i'm like i don't know what i'm gonna say i have no idea i've never done this before lord choose someone else to do it and i remember this confession i know that i'm equipped for every good work i said that all the way from here to mcmurray and then i stepped up and I said what God told me to say. See, confession, it brings faith. And you, God will work on your behalf because I'm confessing the word. I'm changing my mind. And I'm walking in the confidence and, 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 and I'm knowing. That's why I said I know that God is going to put me through all this. That's good. So if you think, oh, he's so anointed. No, God is anointed. Amen. And with the word I speak, and when I speak the word, it never comes back void. Mm-hmm. So every morning when I'm walking, and when I'm tired, and I don't want to walk, and it's windy out, they see me out here windy. <laughs> what, what do you think I'm saying? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. <laughs> when I came off the hill on Saturday and Sunday morning, I had to come here after playing basketball with these young guys. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It becomes part of you. 
when you do that. And as a practical thing, you find that which is an anchor to your soul. These eight are anchors to my soul. Mm-hmm. Now I add other ones. Psalm 91 is an yeah. anchor to my soul because yeah. it got me through some tough times in the military when we were at war. Find those anchors that, are, that will build you and, and turn, quicken your spirit when you're about to do something strong. Every time I'm about to attempt to do something, I find an anchor scripture, and I quote it over and over, and I said over and over again until I get to the front door, and then I do what God tells me to do. Because we want to what? Touch, we really want to impact this city. And the only way we're going to do that is with God. Left to myself, I'm a coward sometimes. And it's okay. Fear will be there. But God is bigger than fear. Yeah, that's good. So that's what I do. Um, and I do it again. I'll do it tomorrow morning. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll grab some. I'm more than a conqueror. That's good. Um, how many have the devil always come up and tell you what you did? You're not, you're not good enough. What you did last week, your failure. I mean, hear those voices. Okay, now the word of God says, I am made more than a conqueror. Yeah, that's right. You said 15 times if it's going to change. He has to leave. I am made more than a conqueror. Got to go. He doesn't like to hear the word. He leaves. And if he comes back at 12 o'clock, I am made more than a conqueror at 12 o'clock. Comes back at 4 o'clock. I'm made more than a conqueror at 4 o'clock. Are you guys getting it? Yes. It's the word of God. Good word. That strengthens us, but it propels us to do great things for God. And that way we can never take the credit for it. That's right. So, like, we all have to do the same thing. It's nothing. We don't get it special. I just found those foundational um, scriptures that really speak to your heart right away. Yeah. All great men of God and women do that. I look over the history of that. I know there's one, Charles Stanley has 30 confessions that That's he, good. for 30, over 30 years, he's been quoting those words. Amen? That's okay. a good word. Give Pastor Rich hand. It's awesome. <laughs> what we need to get a hold of is that this needs to become second nature to us. In other words, when... Not just when you've got something to go to, although that's great. I do the same thing he does. If I'm going into a meeting or going into something that's intimidating or or, or a situation, scenario that's uncomfortable, maybe a social setting or something, I just begin to declare over myself very similar. But I'll, I'll use Deuteronomy 28 a lot. I'll say, I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above only, not beneath. I'm blessed going in. I'm blessed going out. I'm blessed in the city, blessed in the field. And I'll just take that word and just speak it over my life. And I'm telling you, it just, it shifts my mind. It shifts my perspective. And what we're doing literally, listen to me, listen to me, we're realigning. We're realigning our thoughts and our mentality with the word of God. And when, as you do that, then you begin to act and say and do what the word of God acts, says and does. So, so you literally, you're realigning and you're literally shifting things But you're shifting things here first because where the mind goes, the man 
follows, all right? So it's great, Pastor Rich. And did you notice the practicality of it? He does it when he's walking. He does it when he's driving to an appointment. Uh, same thing here. Uh, I mean, I'll do it just when it hits me. And, and it's become second nature so that, uh, for example, I have to get my amp out because the young guys don't respect the old guy. And they put my amp in there, and it's heavy, and i got to get it out. That was a hint if any of them are in here. Anyway, I, I was having to get it out. So I'm down here by myself for a little bit setting my rig up. And the whole time I'm down here, I'm praying over these seats. I was like, Lord, I just declare in the name of Jesus, this place is going to be filled. We're going to go to two services, three services, four services. Then you're going to give us a new bill. And what am I doing? I'm just declaring. I'm making it quite clear because I'm setting it up in my mind. And as I do that, then I can get faith for that. Does that make sense? So it's very practical. I'm praying for you tonight that, that you'll have clarity in your thoughts as the word goes out, as it's teaching. Whereas we try to make, give you not just the what and the why, but the how. We want to give you the how too. Sure, Mom. Sorry, I just call her mom, see my wife. But sure, Miss Pastor Annette or <laughs> Miss Annette. I usually don't do this, but because Jimmy and I have been speaking the word so much, we're speaking the word because there's a lot of circumstances in our life that we want changed. And I know yeah. a, there's a lot of circumstances in your life that you want changed. What I've And I've shared this with Ruth earlier today and, and yesterday when we had lunch or day before, whenever we had lunch. But what I love about speaking the word is my circumstances have not changed, but my perspective of my circumstances have changed. That's good. Because my perspective has changed, it has changed everything. It's made me even not look at my circumstances as a bad thing anymore. It's, it's so amazing how it can change. And if that is what's changed before the circumstances has, then I've already won. Because I already, I'm already over that. It's, it's, it's under my feet. Even though I might not see that because of my perspective, it's, it is. And that is what we want to get across to you. That if you could just change, if you could start declaring this, let it change your perspective. Perspective is everything. And also another thing when you were speaking this that I was thinking about is, I don't know, but... I always talk to myself. Do y'all talk to yourself? I mean, sometimes I, and I'll, I'll even talk to myself out loud. I'm like, why would I do that? Nobody's even here to hear me. But what I've realized that since we've really spent time intentionally declaring is now I talk to God all the time instead mm-hmm. of myself. Yeah, it's good. Because we all talk to ourselves. So think about it in that, you know, perspective that we, instead of talking to yourself about what, in, what you need to do, talk to God about it. And let him change that. Um, so anyway, I just had to no, say that because perspective fantastic. is everything. Yeah, perspective is fantastic. And that is absolutely true. A lot of times we want God to fix a situation and God's going, I want to fix your way you see that situation first. Because I want, to see, I want you to see me bigger than the situation. And so that's absolutely correct. Is that As we speak and declare the word, the word builds faith. Romans ten seventeen says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so as we're, as we're speaking the word, we're hearing the word and our faith is expanding. Our faith is increasing. Therefore, God gets bigger than the circumstance. Now, the circumstance may not immediately change, but my perspective shifts because now I see God instead of the circumstances. That makes sense. And what, and that just happens over time. And, And by the way, this, this isn't just everything in the kingdom starts with a seed. You've heard me say this. And so sometimes it takes you doing it on an ongoing basis. It's being consistent. It's being constant. It's being stable because stable makes you 
able. So we want to be stable and do this on an ongoing basis. And, and sometimes it may not shift your perspective right away. It may take time. But let me tell you something. You stay on it. I, I remember learning in college, Dr. one of my professors, Dr. Rainey, he always talked, he always drew a little train. He said, he said your feelings, he, he drew a train like this is the engine, the locomotive, this is the caboose. He said, he said, if your feelings are the locomotive of the train, the, then your train is always going to be just running amok. It's going to run off the tracks. It's going to crash. Because your, your, your feelings cannot get ahead of faith. He said, so you've got to get faith into the locomotive and get our feelings onto the caboose. And he said this, when you operate in faith... The caboose will always follow the locomotive. It will always follow. It will always follow. And so a lot of things that we declare, confess, believe for, we may not feel it in the moment, but the Bible talks very little about feelings. In fact, I don't think God ever asked Moses how he felt or Abraham or Jeremiah. He asked him, what are you doing here? But he didn't say, how do you feel about that, Jeremiah? Do you feel like I've been just? You feel like I've, you think I'm treating you okay? I mean, Jeremiah was like, whoa, well, let me tell you. I mean, or Job, I don't think he ever asked Job how he felt. In fact, when Job complained a little bit, God said, well, let me answer your complaint. You know, did you create the giraffe? Did you create Australia? Did you create, you know, whatever. He just went off on him. So there's very little in the Bible about feelings and emotions, although we see it demonstrated in, in, in different ways. But just the Bible just doesn't address it because, frankly, that's not the issue. And God cares a lot less about your circumstance than he does about your character and your heart and your mindset and your mentality. Amen? Amen. All right. All right. Let me just give you my, my power of confession. I'm just kind of giving you one at a time. And the things that I just pour into my life and pull in and get on my mouth, and here it is. It's found actually in Romans 8, and, uh, 31, and it's this. God is for me. And if God is for me, who can be against me? That's a bold statement, is it not? But that is exactly what Paul was teaching us in Romans chapter 8. Let's throw it up on the screen. Romans eight thirty one, And basically this, I know God loves me, but do I believe that God is for me? Listen to that. I know God loves me. I, I, there's no way here it would really deny God. That, you know, oh, yeah, God loves me. God loves me. But do you believe he's for you? See, love is kind of on the receiving end, but when you talk about God being for you, it puts it into an active mode. Not passive, but active. Love is its really not passive, but we treat it that way. We receive it that way. But boy, when you talk about God doesn't just love me, He's for me. Let me tell you something. God's got my back. So look at our scripture up there. What then shall we say to all this? If God is for us, now, all this was a lot that went before that, but he's just giving a conclusion statement here. If God is for us, who can be against us? And I want to ask you that question. If God is for you, who can be against you? I mean, really, seriously. God who created this whole thing, did he not create the devil? Lucifer, star of the morning. I mean, you know, all those things that he's referred to. He, Lucifer is a created being. But somehow we give deity characteristics and traits to Satan as though he's almost equal to God. Let me tell you something. That is a dangerous way to think. You've got to realize he's a created being. So if God is for us, okay, the devil's against us, but so what? Who, who won the thing? 
Did not Jesus take the keys of the kingdom back? Did he not, in Matthew 18, give us the keys of the kingdom? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Problem is, we just don't know it. But we got it. Now, look what he says. What then shall we say to all this? If God is for us, who can be against us? That is such a bold claim right there. And you ought to get that on your mouth. Man, if God's for me, who can be against Who would dare stand? And look what it says. Who can be our foe if God is on our side? Let me tell you something. You've got to answer the question. Is God on my side? Let me just say something. I'll answer it for you. Yes. God is. Hey, you're, God is your daddy. Come on, somebody. He's your Abba. Your daddy, I don't know if you, when I was little, I used to think my dad was big. When I got older, I realized my dad wasn't that big. You know what I mean? But when I was little, he was massive. And I'd be like, my daddy's bigger than your daddy, whether he was or not. But in my eyes, he was. You know what I mean? Let me tell you something. Your Abba Father, listen, there's no playing here. He is big. He is big. He is, he's over all and in all. Look what it says. Who can be our foe if God is on our side? Next scripture. He who did not withhold or spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, will he not also with him freely and graciously give us all other things? Say, say God is for me. Let me tell you something. God is for you. You've got to get this. Will he not? Does he, I mean, he gave up his own son. Will he not take care of you? Does not your history in God tell you that he's able? But your faith in God has got to begin to tell you he's willing. Oh, some of you didn't get that. That bounced off the back wall. Your history in God tells you that God is able. Hey, oh, yeah, God's able. Man, he was faithful. He took care of me. I'm still here. I got blood rushing through my veins. I'm not dead yet. He's still working. So God, my history in God tells me he's able. But let me tell you what. My faith in God tells me he is willing. He is willing. And so there it is. Give us all things. Now look at the next who shall bring any charge against God's elect when it is God who justifies? I mean, who would dare even say anything? It's God who justifies. Who would bring a charge? It's an accusation. What does the Bible call the devil in Revelation chapter 12? The accuser of the brethren. The accuser. He's an accuser. He says, who shall bring any charge? Who shall bring any accusation against God's elect when it is God who justifies? That is who puts us in right relation to himself. By the way, it's not by what you've done or haven't done that puts you in right relationship with God. Somebody needs to hear that tonight. You can't be better and garner God's favor. That's a whole other deal. All right, look at this. It's God who justifies, who puts us in right relationship. Who shall come forward and accuse or impeach those whom God has chosen? Will God, who acquits us, now look at the next. Who is there to condemn us? I mean, Paul is talking smack here. Can you hear it? Do you hear his tone? He's trash talking, all right? He's saying, look, who would dare mess with us? And some of you need to get a little bit of sass in your language, in your attitude. Because some of you are just way too passive. Oh, the devil. Oh, and, and I'm telling you, I hear this all the time. Oh, the devil's attacking me right now. And I'm like, well, well, so? Yeah, hello. The day you got saved, he started attacking you. What do you mean? That's nothing new. Oh, but oh, but pastor, I mean, I'm getting attacked. Yes, you are. That's a good sign. That means you're a threat. That means you're, that means you're causing problems in the kingdom of the enemy. Oh, pastor, I just feel like I got a big old target on my back. Congratulations. That's awesome. That means you're doing something. Does this make sense? 
But you've got to get a little attitude and go, you know what? Who would dare? Who would dare accuse? Who would dare condemn? Who would dare bring a charge against me? Are you hearing this? It says, well, Christ Jesus, the Messiah who died, or rather who was raised from the dead, who's at the right hand of God, actually pleading as he intercedes for us. I mean, Jesus is like, look, I'm in the middle of this thing. So whatever charge comes against you, I'm taking it. All right, keep going. Who shall ever separate us from Christ's love? Shall suffering and affliction or tribulation or calamity and distress? That's some pretty bad stuff going on right here. Or persecution or hunger or destitution or peril or sword? My gosh, compare your current moment with that. Your current situation, compare it with that. Man, and you think that's going to separate us? No way. Look at the next. Even as it is written, for thy sake we are put to death all the day long. We are regarding counted as sheep for the slaughter, as Paul quote in the Old Testament. Yet amid all these things, we are more than, someone say more than. More than conquerors and gain a surpassing victory through him who loved us. Last couple. For I am persuaded beyond doubt, I'm sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things impending and threatening nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else. Say anything else. Say nothing. Say nada. In all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God's people said, Amen. I know God loves me, but do I believe that God is for me? Let me tell you, when you begin to, even if you don't believe it, start to say it. And let me tell you something, your feelings will follow, the, the caboose will follow the locomotive, the engine. Start to say, God is for me. God's got my back. God loves me. No, not only does He love me, He's for me. He's working on my behalf. God is orchestrating situations for my favor. Come on, you've got to begin to say it and believe it. Now, here's a couple other things. God has my back. Nehemiah 4.20 literally says this. Our God will fight for us. He said, wherever you blow the trumpet, wherever you, there it is. In whatever place you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally just there. Remember, they were assembling the wall, building the wall. They were on mission for God. And because of that, God said, I will protect you because you're on mission for me. Are you on mission for God? Now, don't, if you're out at the bar drinking, dancing, partying, and, and getting your groove on, don't expect God to show up and fight for you there. You pick a fight with one bad ombre, and he throws a beer over your face or hits you with a mug, you don't expect God, oh, that's all right, I'm a child of God, he's about to fight for me. No, you're about to eat your tail whipped. And should. Can I get an amen? In whatever place you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. This is why they're on mission. Say, on mission. Make sure you're on mission before you start talking smack, okay? On mission, our God will fight for us. I love that. Here's another one. God has plans for you. Jeremiah 29, 11. Listen to this. Again, this is all about God being for you. Who can be against me? For I know the thoughts and plans I have for you. God has thoughts and plans. Say, God has a plan. Say, my job, my responsibility is to find out what that plan is. And get in line with it. Then do it. All right. That wasn't real fancy, but it works. All right. For I know the thoughts and plans I have for you, says the Lord. Thoughts and plans. Look at this. For welfare. Someone say prosperity. You may not like it, but that's how the New King James translates it. Plans to prosper you. That means to give you success. Welfare and peace. The word there is shalom, which literally means nothing missing, nothing broken. The peace of God, the shalom of God is an active peace, not a passive peace. It's not the absence of, 
of turmoil, the absence of action. It's literally a force, the, 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 the power of God working around you. In the New Testament, irene is the, Greek, is the Greek word for peace, and it's found in Philippians chapter 4. He says, and the peace of God that passes all understanding. You can't comprehend it. So it says this, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. In other words, it literally set a garrison around. The Bible says this, the favor of God surrounds us as like a shield, right? So you've got to put your favor shield on, amen? All right, he said, I have thoughts and plans, peace, not for evil, to give you what? Hope. Give you a future and a hope. To give you hope in your final, to give you what? Expectation. That tells me God is willing. God is willing. He's not just able, he's willing. And he's got a plan. And when I'm on mission for him, that plan's going to happen. Amen? So what, what do I need to do? What's my responsibility? Get on mission. Find out what that plan is. Amen? Let's all stand together. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you, God, that you're working things out. I thank you, Father, that you are for us. You are for us. You're not against us. You're for us. You're for your kids. You're for your children. Just as we're for our own children. We want the best for them. You're, you want the best for us. You are for us. Lord, you're crafting our character. You're, you're shaping us. You're conforming us. Father, your word says that we're not to be conformed to the image of this world, but to be, we're literally to be transformed, to be changed by the renewing of our mind, Father. And we renew our mind even as our mouth speaks, Father. It, it shifts and changes things. Lord, I pray over every person here that, Father, we would, would not just believe that the word works, but we would literally begin to work the word in our current situation, in our circumstances. Father, as every challenge comes our way, it's an, it's an opportunity for us to speak. And that's for somebody here tonight. Every time an opportunity or a challenge comes, when a challenge comes your way, it is an opportunity to exercise and expand your faith. Every time. Whatever your current situation, if you find yourself in a difficult place right now, let me tell you something. That is an opportunity for your faith to be expanded. As you speak the word, declare the word, stand on the word, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. And as you speak the word and you hear the word, your faith comes. Someone say, faith comes. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. Teach us, Father. To, to rightly handle, rightly divide the word, Father. Lord, not, not for our own ambitions, not for our own, our own stuff, Father. Forget that, Lord. But, Father, we would, we would learn, Father, what it means to walk this thing out so that the kingdom gets advanced, lives get transformed, and we become change agents in the world. But, Father, we also recognize we have to get healthy. We personally, we have to get functional. We have to get to a place of maturity where we can truly begin to move and shape lives, culture, our office environment, our work environment, our family environment. So, God, I pray. I pray for health, for functionality. I pray, God. For, for us to be right-thinking, right-minded, and right-speaking, Father, that the words that come out of us will be life-giving. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God.